In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. This is a very, uh, um, uh, a parable that we all know very well. It's the sower and the, the four types of ground that he throws the seeds on. And you may have noticed that last week we read the exact same gospel. Um, it's a different version, but uh, different, uh, um, I think it was from St. Luke. Um, and it's nice that the church focuses on what's relevant. So this time is uh, a time of planting in Egypt. Um, and so the, the, the church wants to kind of come down to the level of the people and talk about someone who is sowing seed. Um, and it's a beautiful tradition that the church will adapt to um, the, the culture and the place and the situation of the people. Kind of, if you will, come down to the people and say, you know, you guys are sowing right now seeds. We're going to talk about the sower who, who sows seeds. And we see that Christ talks this way very simply all the time. Talks about farming and cooking and, and, and things that the people could relate to. Um, and th this gospel is one we've, we've heard so many times. And um, as, uh, uh, as Abuna Carlos pointed out a few years ago to me, uh, to all of us, um, this isn't about the ground and a lot of times we hear this parable and we think am i the stony ground am i the path am i the thorns am i the good earth uh, and the answer is you're probably all of them right at some point in our life we've been all of those things um, and at different aspects of our life we may be good earth and in a different aspect of our life i may be hard packed uh, ground and a different aspect of my life i have thorns um, and i'm constantly kind of moving from one area to the next and so this parable um, isn't about me. It isn't about, you know, it's not, the called, it's not called the parable of you. It's called the parable of the sower. Uh, and the focus is supposed to be on the sower. Who's, who is this, this person who throws seed so generously and throws it everywhere uh, and throws it in a, in a lavish and extravagant manner, um, wasting a lot of money because we all know that the, there's a lot of expense in the seed. Um, and clearly, the sower is God, and he's throwing um, his love for everybody without condition. And this is sort of the mystery of God's love, this idea of unconditional love. And we find it often hard to grasp. Um, when I think of, of God and love, I think, well, you know, when I fulfill his commandments, he's going to love me. Or he loves that person over there more because that person fulfills his commandments better or does better things than me. And so God loves him more than me because he does more things than I do. But that, of course, would make God's love conditional. Right? God's love is conditional upon you doing the things and then God loves you back. And it's, that's inconsistent with what we know and what we believe God to be. Um, and St. John Chrysostom kind of comments on this. He says, Now these things Jesus said, so, showing that he preached to all without grudging. For the sower makes no distinction in the land offered to him, but simply and indifferently casts his seed. So he himself, too, makes no distinction of rich and poor, of wise and unwise, of slothful and diligent, of brave or cowardly. He plants his seed among all, fulfilling his part. So then the parable tells us, that he throws the seed, and when it hits the good earth, it reaps fruit. And the question is, what kind of fruit are you going to get? And so when you throw seed on the ground, what, seed, what fruit comes up? 
Well, obviously it depends, right? It depends on what seed you throw. Right? You throw apple seeds, you're going to get apple trees. If you throw grape seeds, you're going to get grapes, right? And it all depends on what you throw, and then you get the same thing. You never hear about throwing an orange seed and then getting an avocado. It just doesn't happen that way. And it's obvious, right? Doesn't everyone know that, that you don't get an avocado when you throw an apple seed? And so this very simple principle is taught to us by the creation. It's like God wants to teach us something very profound and very deep, and yet he wants to do it through the creation, through something he created, and he wants you to figure it out from the creation. I want you to know about me from observing the creation. Right? And we hear this, right? I mean, one time a group of philosophers came and questioned St. Anthony, and they asked him, all these questions about theology and about God. And St. Anthony answered all of them marvelously. And they said, how did you learn all of these things? What books do you read? And St. Anthony said, what? I'm illiterate. I learn from watching the creation. I learned about who God is by reading the creation. And I've learned to read the creation like all of the books that would teach me about him. So he figured out who God was by looking at the creation. So We'll come back to this in a few minutes. So what seeds are being thrown? If we know we're going to get the same kind of fruit as the seed that we throw. And the parable says clearly it's the word of God. And what does that mean, the word of God? Like which word of God? Is it the Old Testament? Is it the New Testament? Uh, sayings of the fathers, patristics, monks, contemporary spiritual writers. What word of God are we throwing I don't know, but maybe it isn't a question of which word of God or what is being thrown, but whom? Who is the word of God? Don't we say Christ is the Logos, the word of God? And don't we call him the, 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 the second person of the Trinity, the word? And so the answer maybe isn't he's throwing verses and scriptures and, and giving them quotes of the fathers. Maybe he's just throwing an entire person. Maybe he's just throwing himself. Maybe he's the seed. Christ is the seed. And so sometimes we think about, you know, the Bible and the verses in the Bible, and we think about we should read the Bible. And the answer is, the thought is, you know, the Bible isn't the thing. The Bible leads me to the thing, right? The Bible itself isn't the goal. The goal isn't... Um, understanding the scriptures the goal is to be one with Christ and to be and have a relationship with him and so it turns out the Bible isn't the complete word of God Christ is the word of God and the Bible leads me to him to the true knowledge of the word of God one of the contemporary writers says sad indeed would the whole matter be if the Bible had told us everything God meant us to believe but herein is the Bible itself greatly wronged. It does not claim to be regarded as the word, the way, and the truth. The Bible leads us to Jesus, the inexhaustible, the ever unfolding revelation of God. It is Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, not the Bible, except that it leads us to him. And so he's throwing, he's not just throwing scriptures and let me throw a verse here and let me say a, a quote there. He's throwing himself. He is the seed. And so if the seed is Christ, and I'm the earth, I'm the ground, so Christ is planting himself in us, himself. And some of us, it takes root and it grows 
and some of us it never bears any fruit. And what does it grow when it grows? Remember, the orange seed yields the oranges. So when Christ plants himself in me, what comes out? Him. So he's the, the sower, he's the seed, and he's the fruit. Right? And we say these are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. You all learn the fruits of the Holy Spirit in Sunday school class. Love, joy, peace, patience, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right? All the songs we sing to the kids. Right? These fruits of the Holy Spirit, if I, if I hear them slowly, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, who am I describing? I'm describing Christ. So these fruits of the Holy Spirit are Him, and He grows inside of us. And what does this remind you of? This whole process sounds very familiar, right? Christ plants in us himself, and then he grows inside of us. Kind of makes me think about the Eucharist, where Christ plants himself in me, and then he grows in me. And so Christ becomes the all in all. And we say this in the liturgy, we offer unto you your gifts from what is yours. So the things we are offering, what's coming out of me that I'm offering to you is actually yours because you planted it in me. So what I have to offer isn't mine because all I have to offer is Christ and he's the seed and I was just the soil. Alexander Schmemann says this wonderfully in his book on the Eucharist. He says, in offering our life to God, we know that we are offering Christ, for he is our life, the life of the world and the life of life, and we have nothing to bring to God except himself. We know that in this offering, Christ is the offerer and the offered, the receiver and the received. And so this concept of creation from plants, how God's trying to teach us about himself and about the kingdom just from nature is quite amazing. It's really an amazing concept, right? So I take this little seed and I put it in the ground and then it creates something that's huge, right? Imagine the, the, an avocado seed, right? I mean, avocado seed's this big. You put it in the ground and it makes something a thousand times its size. It's amazing. And then it creates thousands of avocados, for years, avocado tree will last a couple decades. And so one seed will create thousands and thousands of avocados. What a yield. What a return. And Christ used the same concept when he said a little bit of leaven will leaven the whole lump, right? It doesn't take much. It doesn't take what? Much Christ to create a lot. To create lots of Christ's. And so we see now, the seed is Christ, the sower is Christ, the fruit is Christ, and the outcome is Christ. And so God throws out his love on everyone, the good and the bad, the proud and the hardened. And this is what St. Matthew said in his gospel, right? That you may be children of your Father in heaven who causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. All right, so... Let's think about the sower for a second. So in the parable, God is the sower. And what's my relationship to the sower? Well, there's a hint in the verse we just read that you may be children of your father. So he's my dad. 
So the sower is like is my dad, and aren't I called to be in the image and likeness of God? Aren't I called to have the same characteristics as him? If he's my father, and I'm supposed to be his son, then I'm supposed to kind of look like him and talk like him and think like him and act like him, right? And this is what makes um, you know parents really proud of their kids, right? You know, like for example, you you raise your kid, and you know you went you went to UCLA, just random choice. And your kids root for UCLA, and you're proud that your kids are rooting for UCLA because they're now like you. They just picked the wrong team. So both Cyril and Saint, both Saint Cyril and Saint Athanasius say the same thing. God took our nature so that we may be partakers of His divine, divine nature, right? And this is what Saint Peter says in his epistle: partakers of the divine nature. So we want to become like Him and receive our properties into Himself, and He gives us what is His in return. Okay, so if God is throwing seeds on everybody, good people, bad people, hardened people, evil people, nice people, mean people, and with regard, without regard to their worth, unconditionally, he doesn't look at a rock and says, you're just a rock. You don't deserve my seeds. He doesn't do that. And I'm supposed to be like the sower. I'm supposed to be like my dad. So shouldn't I throw seeds on everybody? And what seeds should I be throwing on the ground of my fellow man? If God is love and we are throwing Christ and Christ is God, then I should be throwing love. I should be inserting love into every person I interact with. A while ago, Bunacrolos said this wonderful thing in a sermon. He said, where there is no love, plant love and you shall reap love. And that really affected me. Where there is no love, plant love, and you shall reap love. And you start to see the truth of this statement all around you. I started thinking of people I know who planted love in others around them, and that love grew and came back to them a hundredfold, a lot like an avocado seed. You just plant a little seed, and the thing gives you avocados for decades. And in the Epistle of the Corinthians, St. Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And so if we're called to plant these seeds of love in our fellow man, what do these seeds look like? St. Isaac the Syrian has this quote that convicts us all. He says, conquer men by your gentle kindness and make zealous men or just men Wonder at your goodness. Put the lover of justice to shame by your compassion and mercy, and with the afflicted be afflicted. And so the primary way that we can put love into our fellow man, I mean, the, the, the one tool we have is our words. And that, that becomes the, the weapon of choice, good and bad. Words of encouragement, words of affirmation, words of love, words of forgiveness, words of strength. And whatever the words may be, they could be uplifting or they could be crushing. They could be hurtful or they could be healing. And we make that choice all the time. And you plant them in other people and you get back what you planted. You either get back forgiveness and love back or you get bitterness and strife back. Remember, I plant a, an orange seed, I get an orange back. And in fact, St. James makes this point, he says, in his epistle, he says, Likewise, the tongue 
is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And how many times have we seen this? A big fire in the church, at work, wherever, because someone said something. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of, lo- of his life on fire, and is it itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Bear figs? Neither can a salt produce fresh water. A salt spring produce fresh water. And so I have this responsibility with my words. And it's an awesome responsibility. And who's the responsibility to? Obviously, the husband is responsible to say nice things to his wife, and the wife is responsible to say nice things to their, her husband, and we're, and we're supposed to say nice things to our kids, and we're supposed to say nice things to the, our friends and the servants. But maybe it turns out that we're spo- we are responsible for every human we meet every day. Every interaction, every person, everyone at the grocery store, everyone on the freeway, every human, every day, we are ultimately responsible for the words that we use for, that, for those people. And so many of us can remember a person who said one thing to us and changed the course of our life or, or made a difference in our day, our week, our month, and that person has no idea they did it. Mother Teresa says, spread love wherever you go, Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. I love that. Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. Everyone that interacts with you should leave better than they came. So I'll read you this quote. I keep reading quotes. This one's really good. And it's very convicting. There are people who display exuberant good fellowship towards outsiders, but show of anything but love and affection for their own. And there's lots of people like this, right? You know, they're always mean to their family, but they're nice to everybody else. And then there are those who restrict their love to their families and a small circle of friends, but are cold to anyone outside the circle. And we know people like this too, right? They take care of their families and their friends, but everyone else gets the cold shoulder. It has been well said that a man loves Christ as much as he loves the person he loves least. I'll say that again. A man loves Christ as much as he loves the person he loves the least. The person an individual loves the least is the person he is least willing to assist. It can be further said that if there is any person on earth who is excluded from one's love, one does not love Christ at all. And so now we see that Christ is throwing his, his seeds on ground he know will not yield fruit. And I'm supposed to be the image and likeness of God, so I'm supposed to yield, I'm supposed to throw my seeds of love and my words of affirmation on people who will not yield fruit. Cold people, hard people, rocky people, thorny people. So does that make sense that I would say something nice to someone who won't change? 
someone who will never yield fruit? Should I offer myself, my love, my heart, my encouragement for someone who doesn't deserve it? So St. John Chrysostom has the answer. He says, he speaks this parable as if to anoint his disciples and to teach them that they are not yet to give up. They are not yet to give up even those, those, sorry, even though those lost are more than those who receive the word. But why would it be reasonable to sow among thorns or rocks or a pathway? With regard to the earthly concept of seeds and earth, it cannot sound very reasonable. But in the case of human souls, it is praiseworthy and greatly to be honored. For the farmer might be laughed at for doing this, since it is impossible for a rock to bear fruit. It is not likely that the path will become anything but a path, or the thorns anything but thorns. But with respect to the human soul, this is not so predictable. For here there is such a thing as the rock changing and becoming a rich land. Ah, that's the key. So when we do this in nature, and we throw seeds on a rock, we know it's not going to yield. But in the case of the human being, the rock can turn into land, rich land. Here, it is possible that the, the path might no longer be trampled upon or lie upon to all who pass by, but it may become a fertile field. In the case of the soul, the thorns may be destroyed and the seed enjoy full security. For had it been impossible, the sower would not have sown. Thus, he's telling us to throw ourselves and to throw our love on people who don't deserve it, because one day they might. One day they might change. And there's a, a wise saying I once heard that says, he who loves the longest wins. He who loves the longest wins. And so sometimes we're so quick to give up on people, so quick to lose hope, so quick to say, you know what, there's no, nothing's, no fruit's going to come out of this one. But yet in 5, 10, 15, 30, 40 years, people change. And they remember that when I was 7 and I was 14 and I was 16, you didn't give up on me. And you invested in me. You threw your seeds into me and you encouraged me. And here I am at the age of 74 to tell you I remember that. And I'll never forget it. Sorry, I went long. I'll end with this last quote. It's from St. Francis of Assisi. He says, Lord... Make me a channel of your peace, that where there is hatred, I may bring love. Where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. Where there is discord, I may bring harmony. Where there is error, I may bring truth. Where there is doubt, I may bring faith. Where there is despair, I may bring hope. Where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than to be comforted to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved. For it is by forgetting self that one finds, it is by forgiving that one is forgiven, and it is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. Amen. Glory be to God forever. Amen.